You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, thank you so much. Just worship you and praise you because of uh, the community here, just seeing um, friendly and, and lovely faces in front of us that we miss so much. Thank you for introducing us to each other for really being family and brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, thank you for uh, the generosity of the Advent um, and relationship that we have together, Lord. May that strengthen. May we mutually encourage and strengthen one another in our work in Birmingham and also up north. Um, and may the things that we share today uh, not just be an update, but inspiring to us all to spur us on to love and good works. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you want to say anything? Um, probably shouldn't say too much because I'll get really emotional, but we love you guys and it feels like, <laughs> it feels like coming home, you know, and, um, you're our family and we care for you and we, we know that you've been through a lot this year and, um, we have to, <laughs> and, um, you know, God is good in all of that and that he always works things to his good. And so we are just overjoyed to be reunited with you and we, are reminded in living far away that our home is in eternity. Sorry, I'm not meaning to cry, but, um, and it is great joy to know that we will share eternity together with our risen Lord, who is the fulfillment of all of our hope and joy. And so no matter what you're going through, we just extend our love to you. And um, we rejoice that God is faithful through it all. So I'm just so happy to be back with you guys. And um, thank you for encouraging us and reaching out to us and um, praying for us and being part of this mission in New England. We're really thankful. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. Do you, do you have one story about Jesus in New England? Like a person that we've gotten to know, um, a relationship that's been impactful, a life that you've seen changed while you're up here? Well, I think Matt has done a lot with, you know, the ministry more actively. I've been more homeschooling and with the kids and getting to know the Christian community there. Um, and it's, it's different. Um, it does feel more upper room in terms of, like, if you're Christian, you really have to cling to this every day. And you need others. And there aren't that many others um, and you don't hear people saying have a blessed day or you know things like that you know you have usually a, they give you the, the like Massachusetts someone, wave is well, like. <laughs> I asked someone um, you know where an entrance was to a building and they were like you could find it and they walked away and so you know there's like, like being back down here there is such a warmth to the people and a warmth literal warmth um, and I think a lot of that is because there are so many more believers here um, and so I've seen and felt the contrast of what it means to not believe in the Lord more up there. Um, again, because I have lived up there before. Um, and I have been really encouraged by the friendships that I've made and how they are quick to exhort me in scripture and to encourage me <coughs> and remind me of what is true, um, what cannot be burned by fire. And um, I think... It has been shocking for my girls to experience some things that they've been really shocked by living in New England is how often the Lord's name is taken in vain. 
and even amidst like cr the Christian community, they'll hear it a fair amount, mm -hmm. and they'll say like to their Christian friends, "Why are you saying that?" And they'll say it's not that big a deal, and. I think it's because it's so much more commonly done there and it's so commonly done in our culture. And so I'm reminded, um, like we put them in a dance class and um, I'm sorry, I'm ending up talking more about the depravity up there. Yeah, but no, but this is good, yeah. <laughs> I wanna, I'll, I'll follow this up by saying all that depravity exists here, mm. but, but it's, it's under the surface, yeah. you or know. Or it's more confused or unknown. Yeah, but whereas up there. Yeah. <laughs> Up there, it's just in your face and on right. the surface. And, like, so. they did a dance class because a friend of ours was doing it, so we just signed them up for that first semester we were there. And the whole thing was, like, you know, their the we did themes in, like, a church dance program down here, and it was, like, Christ in the world, you know? And then up there, it was, like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And yeah, it's like, like, you do you, yeah, yeah. And the girls were, like, Daddy, I'm sorry. We didn't know these were the lyrics. <laughs> So, so we, we took them out. We, we don't do dance anymore. But <laughs> um, so it has been a big eye-opening experience for our girls, I think, and also a <clears> reminder <throat> for us of the reality of the need there um, and in the world that, like Matt said, it's easier to be covered up sometimes when the Christian culture down here can make uh, make you forget maybe what is true and what is being told to you in Scripture, like Jesus helps those who help themselves, like. He no, that's not in the scriptures. <laughs> um, and so it, it, you have to really separate what is true from what is not true down here. Um, whereas up there, I think there's a lot of um, good luck. I hope you can make it, kind of. Um, so we've seen really amazing things happen pretty quickly yeah. up there. And I think part of that is that it is such a contrast to share Jesus with people who do not know him at all and have never really been exposed to him. And so we actually baptized someone in our basement bathtub. <laughs> um, and she had been going to Bible studies. Yeah, so this is Ari. Tell the story of so Ari. Her name yeah. is Ari, and she is a teacher at the Westminster School. She was an excellent athlete, still is, and she ran uh, track and I think probably had full ride to Dartmouth on running track. And her, her best friend was in the Olympics for running track. And her best friend fell, no, it was tripped by someone in the race who fell, and then she fell, and she knelt down and picked her up. Maybe you remember that news, right? It was pretty famous. She was yeah. her best friend with the school with her. So. And so, and then they finished the race, and that, and she's a believer, and so that, she tried to use that as a, as a way to share about the goodness of God, and realize that that was actually better than having won the race. Um, and so Ari knew people like this and they were encouraging her to come to Bible studies and she went and she liked it and she participated and it was when she went to be trained about evangelism she was a part of a, a, a church in Connecticut that asked me to do training at someone's house and, and when I was training them how to share the gospel she you know. realized that she had never really made Jesus her king she had liked him and would be open to the idea of him saving her you know and liked the scriptures and liked what she was learning, but had never really committed herself to obey and to follow and to serve Jesus as king instead of herself as queen or king, you know. Um, and so she decided that she needed to abandon everything. And for her, the big barrier was really that she had a lot of friends who were gay or lesbian or whatever else <laughs> they might be. And so they had made it clear to her that if she was a Christian, she was against them. 
and that she hated them if she chose that. And so she has a very dear friend who was dating another woman, I believe, and told her this. And she said they were running and talking, and she said, you know, I don't agree with that, and I am a Christian now after, um, after yeah. this training. And she said, but I love you, and I'm here for you. I don't agree with that, but I love you. And she was surprised that the friend kind of expected mm -hmm. that. Um, and I think I think she didn't. I think the friendship didn't actually die. No, the, the worst case scenario didn't play out. That it could end the friendship. Yeah. Um, and then, so she came to our house and spent five hours with Just us. Get my cell phone. We had you lunch can. at our house, and um, <clears throat> I think the kids and I had rushed back from like swimming at a pool. <laughs> we were like in our swimsuits and everything, just having lunch and talking about what God was doing in her life. <clears throat> and she realized that the scriptures compel her to be baptized, and that she'd never been baptized. Or as our son Simeon says, baptized. <laughs> Since then, because we baptize her in our bathtub. Right. So he plays baptizing. But um, um, so she decided that she wanted to be baptized, and we didn't encourage her necessarily in any particular way. But she felt the urgency to do that and to know that God does not promise our days, and that it was not worth waiting, going through a long process or um, you know complex routes but just like the eunuch on the side of the road what prevents me from being baptized and so um she prayed about it and we really tried to like don't feel like you have to do this right now no peer pressure yeah. like this is between yeah. you and god and yeah. she was really wrestling and she wanted to do it right then but she also wanted her pastor's approval from her more formal church and um so she tried reaching him on his cell phone and he wasn't available and so i remember her coming to me and she was just sitting in prayer quietly by herself for a while, and then she came and talked to me, and I, I felt compelled that I didn't I didn't want to push her in any direction, but I said, you know, the most frequent thing stated in the Bible, the most frequent command is do not fear, do not fear, and so whatever decision you make, do not do it out of fear, and so she realized, she told us that she was afraid of upsetting her pastor by being baptized and so she said I just want to do this and if he's upset he's upset and it turns out he wasn't at all um, I haven't heard anything but um, but she we went downstairs and our friend Maya who is she's like she's so tall she's and she was pregnant at the time she's pregnant she has two little girls all the, all the kids were kind of gathered around and she baptized <laughs> baptized her in our bathtub in the basement um, and it was really powerful I mean there are times where like yeah when I started speaking when we first got in here where I don't necessarily expect to be emotional but I was just overcome by the Holy Spirit in that moment seeing her die when I asked her I said born again you in know this water. we know of people who are dying right now because of their faith are you willing to die for your faith in Jesus before she was baptized and she said yes you know and I think that yeah. like heightened but in the, a, like in a pause the you know emotion. no one's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yes so the reason I grabbed my cell phone is um Maya lives closer to her, the woman who told you about, and another woman who introduced us to her. And so I kind of, I've trained them, and I've sort of entrusted Ari to their care, you know, because they're about 45 minutes south of us. So I haven't heard from Ari in like three months. And then she just sent us this email. Firstly, allow me to say how abundantly grateful I have been for you, for your ministry, your kindness, your teaching, and your hospitality. I cannot wait to share with you how graciously the Lord has blessed me 
And then she writes, and the small uh, burgeoning Lord willing ministry that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of at Westminster School. So she's taking the stuff we've equipped her in and she's reading the Bible with like, uh, the faculty all live on campus uh, with faculty, staff and students there at that school, which is a very uh, secular school. Um, so there's a story, yeah. Yeah, and so, so we'll hear more um, and there's, there's still things happening, but it's been really encouraging to see the power of investing deeply in people and then seeing them invest deeply in others also. Um, Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Holly. So I was just, I mean, if you want to stay up here, you can, but I'm going to do some stuff. If you want to sit down, that's fine. Um, um, I was thinking about today, like, I don't want to just give you a report, um, but I wanted to share with you some, like, primary principles of what we do up there as missionaries because honestly there are things that we empower everyday people like Ari to do that like I think you can be doing too here in Birmingham as a matter of fact some of you have received some training uh, from us or people that we've worked with um, and some of you are, are, are looking out I mean, you've seen Carol Ann some of you are using these things I mean Carol Ann Collier is out there constantly doing the things that I'm going to talk about today and the first thing I just want to talk about today and I was telling Cardwell this the other day and he said if you say this at the advent right now I think people are going to find this super refreshing right because there's just all this like crazy drama happening Um, (laughs) the thing I want to talk to you about is Jesus that's the refreshing thing uh, to just talk about Jesus um, and that sounds simple, but I think that is a huge mind shift for a lot of Christians. Um, we're thinking about a lot of evangelism that um, I'm familiar with. What tends to happen is uh, family members, friends, or strangers that you meet, what you're told to do, what's been modeled for you, or maybe what's been done for you, is that you're, you don't feel quite equipped to talk to them about Jesus, so you bring them somewhere. You bring them to an event a program, a vacation Bible school, a Lenten lunch, or a Sunday service, or whatever, so that the expert can share the gospel. Um, and we're, that works sometimes. Some of you have probably come to faith that way. That, that, that does work sometimes, but I want to say that that's the exception and not the rule. Uh, most people come to faith by someone they know talking to them about Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, I can't, I was told I can't draw on the board, so I'm going to draw on the, I don't know why, because I guess it messes up the the thing. So most of the time, this is what evangelism looks like. There's this circle, it's like a border, it's a boundary, I don't know where it exists, but it sort of exists in all of our minds, that outside of it is like uh, not Christian, Um, there are these people out here who don't know Jesus or rejected him or whatever. And what we're trying to often do is bring them inside of the circle and that that's the win, you know, am I right? Like that's, that's a lot of what we hope will happen um, when we're reaching out to people. Um, And there, there's truth to this. Okay. I don't want to say that this is wrong. I just want to say that it's not the full truth and it's inefficient. And it's also not what Jesus told us to do. Um, what does Matthew twenty-eight nineteen say? Does anyone know off the top of your head? Make disciples. 
Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, he's walking and he goes up to uh, Peter and Andrew. And what does he say to them? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then he walks further up the road. Uh, he runs into James and John. What does he say to them? Follow me. Okay. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Go and make disciples of who? Of Jesus, not of um, the circle. <laughs> And so instead of doing that, a lot of our work up there and a lot of the things that um, I think all of us should be about, no matter where you are, whether it's in Alabama or not, is instead of this, which is true but inefficient and only half the case, is this, that there's Jesus and some people are either heading to him or heading away from him. And what we're trying to do is those who are heading away from him, we're trying to help them turn around and head to him. And sometimes people are heading to him, but in very weak fashion. So we want to help them with greater magnitude, you know, like Ari, right? Like she was sitting in a church, unbaptized, not following him. So she was kind of like a, a, you know, a weak little arrow pointed to Jesus. And now it's like this, you know, she's like helping other people. So she's like bringing other people around with her to follow Jesus, you know. So that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to help people know about Jesus and to follow him. It, it sounds simple, but it's, it's super powerful. Uh, so most of my days I go around, um, I'm either working with people that I've already met um, and following up with them and going out with them. Or I just, if I don't have anything to do, I'll just go out. And what I do is I talk to people about Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, I'll say things like, um, how's your relationship with Jesus? Um, uh, have you ever heard the gospel of Jesus before? And nine times out of 10, when I ask that question, the answer is they don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Isn't that crazy in the United States of America? Um, and I think that you'd get that here as well, uh, to a certain extent. Um, and so, uh, rather than doing a whole bunch of stuff that's like, in the realm of Jesus, we just go for the jugular and uh, talk to people about Jesus <laughs> um, and help help them to, to follow him. Um, so, uh, people do reject us. yeah, and sometimes I get rejection. But but here's the thing I want to say <laughs> about that, though. OK, um, this the circle is usually things like Christianity or your church, the Cathedral Church of the Advent, or whatever, or your Bible study fellowship for women, or, or some thing, right? The religion of Christianity that we're trying to get people in. Um, most people aren't interested in that. Jesus is super compelling. People love Jesus. Uh, hardly anyone rejects Jesus. Uh, he's, he's confrontational and things like that, but like people are way more interested in learning about Jesus. So, so what we do if they have an interest in Jesus is to say, uh, hey, would you ever be interested in, in reading some stories from the life of Jesus together? Um, because I want them uh, not to hear from me um, my teachings about the ideas related to Jesus, but just to get to know Jesus and to fall in love with him. Uh, and you can find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and so what we do is we open up the word together. So here's a story. And a lot of that, honestly, like we've probably seen about 10 people baptized since we've been there. And I've only personally baptized two of them. 
So about eight people have been baptized by other people that we've equipped. And one person's about to be baptized. Let me tell you a story about someone that I've equipped where I've helped him to do this. There's a guy I met in campus ministry who was doing this. And then I met him and told him about what I do, and I trained him to do this. Uh, And so what we did was um, I went to the university where he works, and I said, I want to, what I want to do is meet with you first. And I trained him to talk to people about Jesus, and then some of his students came. And I said, okay, now you train them. So he spent, I spent 90 minutes training him, and then he spent 90 minutes training them and what I had just trained him in. Does that make sense? So about with me there. So I was able to kind of correct him and stuff like that and fill in the gaps for about three hours. And then we went out for an hour around campus and went up to people. Uh, we used handing out a Bible as an excuse to approach people. So we handed out 15 Bibles, shared the gospel with three or four people, prayed with probably several of them. Um, we broke up in pairs when we did this. Um, and three that day gave us their phone numbers and said they'd be interested in follow-up. The next week, I was sick, uh, and Tommy is the name of the guy uh, that works in campus ministry, and I was super excited about this. I mean, UMass Amherst, if you know anything about it, like super liberal school. I mean, like it's just the the epitome of anything that you imagine that's going to reject Christianity, right? Um, like I got, got in on campus, like we're going to this campus minister. This is crazy. You got these students. This is like a major win. You know, this is the kind of stuff that I hope for, like a highlight of our time there. And then I got sick and I was supposed to go back and follow up and then train them more and go back out. And I was like, I, I know I don't have COVID cause I just had COVID. So I know it's not COVID. Um, and I know I can kind of mask it, you know, like, you know that, right? You can take a little bit of like medicine and cough drops and you know, just try to mask that you're sick. Cause I really want to go and do this. I'm super excited about it. But I was praying that morning and I felt like God was saying, no, don't go. Trust me. Um, I got this under control and you get better. Um, so I told Tommy, I can't make it. Well, Tommy shows up, uh, without me, uh, and six students come and he further equips them. They go out two by two or on campus without me um witnessing to people and uh tommy and this guy young guy that he's with named gideon um uh gideon had an impression when they first went out that they should go talk to this one guy over there and so they go around and he tells tommy i feel like we should talk to that guy so they go up to him he's got headphones on watching a lecture on zoom you know (laughs) excuse me you're going around we got this bible would you like one, you know, uh, praying for people? And he's like, not interested. I'm actually an atheist. And he's like, got the headphones on, you know? Uh, and Tommy's, uh, he said, uh, I'm, you know, I'm an atheist. And Tommy said, oh, that's cool. I didn't believe in God like three years ago either. And that caught his attention. And they're talking about it. Long story short, uh, he did talk to him for a while. He did invite him. Would you ever be interested in reading some stories from the life of Jesus together in this book. Um, uh, yes, so they got together a couple days later. They did this a few more times. His name is Miranal, Hindu background atheist, so Indian, just accepted Jesus uh, in a profession and prayer. Uh, and so I'm equipping Tommy uh, to talk to him about the cost of discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus, <coughs> and as soon as possible to baptize him, if this is the real deal. Um, because that's what we, what we see in the Bible. Um, so I, what I have to tell someone like Tommy is, 
don't, it's really hard. Try to avoid doing this right now. Your impulse is going to be to do this. But like, how weird is it going to be for Mir and all like Hindu background atheist guy to like come to your, your lily white church, right? Like, it's going to be confusing. What he really needs to know right now is Jesus. Help him to learn about Jesus. Read the Bible with him. And this will sort itself out. Does that make sense? Usually we put the cart before the horse. Um, we do this and hope that this happens. But instead, we need to help people fo follow Jesus, get to know him, uh, understand that he saves us and that he's our Lord. And when we do that, we want to be around other people like that, right? And we, so we want to gather uh, in, uh, in the church, whatever form it will take, you know, whether or not it's Tommy needs to take him into his church or to help him do something else, that doesn't quite matter. The, the main thing is he really needs to know who Jesus is and, and to follow him. That's kind of like the main thrust of our work. <laughs> and, uh, when, when you keep it simple like that, you know, like the, the cool thing about it is like, we're actually able to filter out pretty quickly, like who's, who's interested or not, you know, cause we're just like right away, just let me talk to you about Jesus. One of my neighbors first week we're there, got to know him, did this, not interested. That's for you. Not for me. You know, uh, we did talk, we read a story from the Bible. He allowed me to pray for him, but he clearly was not interested. A year later, I still know him. I'm friendly. Hey, you know, try to engage him a little bit. But I know I was able to quickly uh, ascertain, is, is he going to be interested in following Jesus or not? Right now, the, the answer is no. And so I'm going to move on and find other people who are, you know, um, uh, which is the way that uh, Jesus describes the, the operation in um, Matthew 10, Luke 9, and Luke 10. He says, go out. If people don't receive the peace, the message of the gospel, let the peace come back to you. But if they receive the peace of the kingdom and it rests on them, stay with them. You know, when you find a guy like Tommy, when you find a girl like Ari or a guy like Miranal, like stay with them, eat with them, uh, eat the food that they provide you, um, help them uh, to follow Jesus as long as it takes and to gather their own people. Uh, you know, and so you see that with like Ari, she's gathering people where she lives at her school. Um, and my hope for a guy like Miranal um, is that he'll take this back to his Hindu background family. And that's how we might actually reach the nations in the United States. Isn't that kind of cool? Um, that it's not about just reaching um, jaded um, academic white people in New England. But the nations are there, so we can reach someone like Miranal, who might take it back uh, to his people. May I yep. Um, so another thought is, like, what he's describing are probably more the types of people that, except for Miranal, but like young white people, you know, academic people. But we ended up meeting a couple that are Russians that moved here when they were like, I think both six and seven in the '80s. And um, there's a huge Russian enclave. They live in this massive, well, a massive connection of Russians. Like 60,000 um, Russians. Background people. And they live in an area that was once projects, but are now, you can now purchase the condo. Or They're whatever. like townhouses, basically. Yeah. And then next to them is a huge Puerto Rican community. 
when I met them and shared with them why we moved there, which is sometimes very awkward, by the way. Because we want to talk to people about Jesus. Like, why did you move here? And I'm like, because we love Jesus, and not a lot of people know him here, so if you want to know him more, let's talk. And they're like, okay. One guy goes, so your husband got a job. <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to think. But, but, but do you see what she did? She talked about Jesus. <laughs> but so um, this family, the Catcos, they connected us with another family who um, also moved back to that area because they felt called to share about Jesus with people. And they said that they they visited Tennessee and they really wanted to move there. And she said, Holly, I overheard someone testify about Jesus Christ in the bathroom. And she was like, I just wanted to move there so badly. But I came home and in church, God said, he is good. Like Jesus is good. And I want you here to see a movement happen. I want people here to know like people in Tennessee. Um, and I, I mean, people in Tennessee still need to know more too. Yeah, absolutely. But it's been really amazing and encouraging when we went up there and it felt sort of like a solo mission, you know, like a, it's just us, it felt like in a way. And then so many people God has brought to us who have also heard from the Lord that he is going to do a great work there. So I just wanted to share that and that whatever God calls you to, he, he doesn't just send you alone. He sends the Holy Spirit and he is do, he's going before us if we are trusting in him. So just a little reminder. Yeah. Hey, we we'll talked to Tom. Anybody have any questions about anything? Yeah, Jane. Um, Matt, you said something about teaching them about the cost of discipleship. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are like a couple places where I go, like, uh, what is it, Matthew 8 um, and um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, which really described that like when we follow Jesus, life doesn't actually get like, it's not like a magic formula for life getting better, like some therapeutic thing that when we follow Jesus, what he says is, you know, take up your own cross. Um, some of your own family members will reject you. Um, that um, he really wants our full devotion to him. He wants us to uh, not put the hand on the plow and look back, but to put the hand on the plow and look toward him and to follow him. Uh, and when we do that, that the hardest thing usually is that there's just stuff in us and things that we do that we like and take for granted that we get confronted with are obstacles to following Jesus and those have to go away. So if you see like the rich young ruler, his um, thing was wealth. That might not be your thing, but his thing was all the possessions that he had and that was preventing him from fully following Jesus. And so Jesus said, if you wanna follow me, here's what you need to do. Go sell all your stuff and follow me. Uh, for you, it might be something else, you know? Um, so usually it's like a, a spectrum of things that are going to be the cost of discipleship. It's going to be undoing these idols that are standing in the way of you following Jesus. But it's also going to mean that some people like Ari faced. Ari really understood the cost of discipleship. <laughs> we didn't have to explain to her, you'll probably lose certain relationships or some might become tense. She knew that, um, you know. Um, and in some places, I always say this, look, I know this from working with Big Life. We're in 138 uh, countries around the world. I hear daily stories of imprisonments, beheadings, people who are being killed, uh, threatened, who are trying to escape places like Afghanistan and Myanmar because they're following Jesus. That hasn't happened lately in the United States, but it could. 
And so if, if it were going to come to that, are you willing to die for this? So that's the conversation that I have with people because I've seen so many people profess the Lord in prayer and it doesn't, um, they don't persevere. They're like the second and third soil. Remember in the parable of the sower that um, the concerns of the world either stand in the way and they fall away or persecution comes and they fall away. We want fourth soil people who no matter what, like in season and out of season, are going to bear the fruits uh, 30, 60, and 100 fold of, uh, of the spirit um, and the fruits of taking this to their own people. So uh, whenever I'm doing work with someone who's coming to faith, that's the conversation that I have with them. When I have that conversation, like with someone like Ari, and they're like, yes, and baptism, like they, I don't know what it is about baptism. We see this in the Hindu context. They really understand this. It seals the deal. There's something about it. That's why Jesus instated it. When I have someone and I have that conversation, they get baptized, they're in. 100%. Real deal. You know what I mean? And and then I know that this is someone that is going to, like, they're going to take action. And that's exciting to me, you know, because I, I don't want to do this alone. Like, I want to be in an army full of people who are taking this to their own people, you know. Um, so that's the cost of discipleship. So think about that for yourself, you know. Is that true for you? Uh, and also, like, the people in, in your life. If you... If you want to share with them, you know, it is helpful to have that kind of conversation. Yeah. Uh, any other kind of, yeah, Charles. Hold, hold up your second sheet there. Yeah. The one with all the arrows. This one? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you should call that the vector analysis model of evangelism. Uh, no, I didn't make this up. Uh, <laughs> no, this is a... Uh, I can't, I don't even know where it came from. This is called the bounded set, and this is called the centered set. It's a missions Wait, thing, okay? Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, and we call these vectors. Yeah. Do you ever see The Chosen? I was just going to say, it's like fish. If you ever, if you if were blanking out and weren't paying attention, the intro thing is like fish that are all going in one direction, and then a fish that's teal starts coming around that's Jesus and then some and he's going the opposite direction and then some of the gray fish turn around and they turn teal and they start following Jesus and the greatest thing about the show chosen is this is what they're emphasizing Jesus is constantly saying in that show follow me and he and he and he gets at the cost of discipleship you know um, so I'm probably out of time or we are uh, briefly uh, one or two maybe more questions and I want to just put something out there for you where do people go to continue their growth after they have turned teal and started following the teal fish in your, in your geography yeah yeah so um, so we, we equip people that we're working with not to do evangelism but to make disciples uh, and to make a disciple means anyone anywhere anytime um, and so that might include evangelism, but it might include um, helping someone who's a believer to grow in their faith and be equipped to share with others. So I'll say the word evangelism because you understand what it means, but I really, Jesus said, go and make disciples. So I'm really interested in disciple making. So I tell people, you know what, honestly, don't go out 
sharing with your family or strangers on the street if you're not willing to follow up. Because follow up is where the most work happens. Actually, I've seen more people and heard more stories about people coming to faith in the follow up than the initial encounter, okay? So like Miranal shared the gospel, Tommy shared the gospel, prayed for him, invited him to Bible study, and it was through reading the Bible and praying with him that he professed faith. He read John chapter one and was like, oh my gosh, this makes total sense. I'm in the darkness and I need the light. And so what I tell someone like Tommy is right now, you need to disciple him. So keep walking with him, reading the Bible together, and teach him also really quickly how to share his faith so that he can also he can begin to gather some of his people. So it's not just Tommy and Mir and all, but are there some people that you know who need to be here as well? Uh, so then we have a group that's formed. Um, those groups uh, might be short-term, they might be long-term, they might be just groups. Some of them might turn into churches. So it kind of all, you know, anything is possible. But there's intimate relationship layered. So like Tommy has Matt. Matt right. Has so I'm walking with Tommy. Yeah. No one's isolated or alone. And yeah. they're easy relating rather than just talking once every so the question well, I get a lot from folks here is why don't you tell them to go to a church like the Advent? My answer is they pretty much don't exist. I know a woman who's done the research in Massachusetts in Berkshire County, Western Massachusetts. She said it's a large geographic region. There's probably about three evangelical churches in that county. And one of them, she said, only has about 12 people on a Sunday. So our task, for the most part, in New England is to make disciples, which is what Jesus said, go and make disciples. And then about the church, Jesus said, I will build my church. Okay? So we make disciples, help them to gather in groups, and what happens is Christ builds his church. Um, so we're beginning to see that in some places uh, in Northampton, Massachusetts, Canton, Connecticut, um, Nashua, New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, Springfield, um, Holyoke's where the, the Russians live, um, where people right now are just a ragtag band of people who are gathering together, but some of them are beginning to gather and uh, identify as church together. Um, and so how, how that all kind of begins to manifest and formalize is, is kind of to be determined. It's still early days, you know. So I'm kind of their de facto leader, but I don't want to be long-term. I want the, the leaders to rise up out of the community and then I can disappear, you know. But right now, you know, I have to kind of lead them because it's only been a year. Um, so here's what I want to do because we're out of time. I want to hand out a, uh, hand out a few things. Uh, if you want to pray for us, we have prayer cards. Some of you have this, but if you don't, um, uh, just pass that around. We love your prayers. Um, if you, um, um, and we have a basement that is set up for guests and we like it to be used. So if you guys want to come and visit, just let us know. We would love it um, for snow or for fall leaves or whatever. So I'm just going to pass this around. If, if you're interested, um, First of all, uh, if you if you are not receiving our, our email updates and would like that, uh, just give us your name and email address here, okay? If you uh, I wrote here, I'm interested in talking to people about Jesus. 
if you would like help to learn how to talk to people about Jesus, just write yes right here, okay? Um, if you're not interested in any of that, just like let it go past you, okay? Um, but um, I know there's some new people uh, here at the Advent, even since we've, uh, you know, you all have that, you don't need it, so just let it go. Um, <laughs> But um, I know there's some new people here that uh, have come since we've uh, come to the Advent. So uh, if, if you haven't received our emails and would like training on talking to people about Jesus and not just talking to people about Jesus, but continuing to talk to people about Jesus because it's an ongoing thing, which is part of the cost of discipleship. Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men in order to make fishers of men you got to start getting rid of some stuff in your life that you do to make space in your life for the types of relationships that you're going to create, right? Because like if you, if you make disciples, you, you have to be willing to walk with them. And that's messy, and it takes time. <laughs> so it's not just about one-off encounters of talking to people about Jesus. We want to be equipped on how to do that. But the real fruit happens in the ongoing um, relationship. So if, if you would like help with that, get a hold of that legal sheet, uh, legal pad, and write yes there, okay? Um, uh, uh, I think we're out of time. I, I really wish we had more time, yeah. Well, can, can, we, can I ask to land a plate for you? Yeah. Your family? Yeah. Amen. God bless you all. Good to see you. We'll hang out for as long as if anybody wants to talk. Hey, brother. Good to see you. Yeah. I want to encourage you. Yeah. You know, I was there for 14 years. Yeah. Church planning method. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.